Hi, I'm your host, Kelly Joe, and this is the Nourished Motherhood Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing together the voices of motherhood and helping women connect with others and themselves through the power of sharing honest, vulnerable stories. Because every woman deserves to have a place where her voice is heard. We believe that supporting mothers is one of the healthiest things we can do for our society. There's a balance of beauty and grit to be found in every woman's story. And we're so honored you're here to listen, connect, and grow with us. Let's dive in. The road to becoming a mother is one of the most beautiful and rewarding paths you'll ever walk, but it's not always easy. In today's Voices of Motherhood conversation, my dear friend, Stephanie Stavlin, opens up and shares her experiences with postpartum anxiety after her first child and the painful journey of fertility challenges and miscarriage she and her husband experienced before welcoming their son into the world. Her story is tender and raw, but also full of hope, especially if you or someone you know is walking a similar road. Stephanie is one of the most beautiful, caring people I know, and she was an incredible source of support when my husband and I miscarried. Her own journey and passion to serve other women walking through similar things has led her to open up her own private counseling practice with an emphasis on perinatal mental health. It's women like Stephanie that are changing the tides for women and mothers and their access to much-needed support, resources, and services. This is a powerful conversation to discover how you can come alongside others as they wade through grief and healing, or find support in your own. I realize some of these topics may be triggering, and if they are, you might want to skip this one. But I encourage you to join us and let today's conversation be a reminder that no matter what you're walking through, there is beauty on the other side. Okay, we are recording. I am so excited for today's episode and to welcome Stephanie to the Nourish Motherhood podcast. We couldn't be more thrilled to have you. And I'm just so inspired by you and your life, how you show up and serve women every day, and also just the adversities you've overcome. So Stephanie, welcome. Just so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm excited to be here. Uh, well, can you, I, you know, for our audience, I want to kind of know what does life look like for you right now? You know, you're a mom of two, but can you tell us what life, where are you in the world? What are you up to? Tell us about your kiddos a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I would use the words beautiful chaos, I think, to describe life right now. My goodness. Um, yeah, I've got two little kids. They are ages two and four and a half going on five here soon. And we're jumping right into the midst of sports. And my my daughter is an avid dancer and gymnast and we're starting preschool. And my little guy is looking for some social activities as well. I'm in the midst of owning my own business and really getting that off of the ground. So life is just really busy right now, but in a really beautiful way at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yes. You have your hands full. What parts of motherhood would you say right now? Do you look forward to the most on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. I would say watching my children grow and their personalities develop. And I'm in this kind of really cool phase of parenting where other people are noticing like my children's talents and abilities and to see them foster that and appreciate that has been a really proud mama moment. There's been lots of beautiful tears of joy and pride as my little one is in gymnastics and just made like this pre-competition team and coaches are 
noticing her and like fostering that. It's just a really neat experience in motherhood where, you know, I always feel super biased because I think my child's the best at everything, but to see other people start um, noticing your children and just investing in them as well outside of just the home has been a really neat uh, phase of motherhood that I wasn't quite prepared for. So um, that's been really neat to experience. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, yeah, anytime I've seen someone take an interest in my daughter and like invest in her or her well-being, like I just, it's one of the greatest gifts. Like that's something I think before motherhood, I never thought about, but it's true. It is such a beautiful gift to see um, because it really does take a village, right? To raise a kiddo. It does. And um, absolutely. And so that's so special to like to hear. So what are, you know, just a few antics right now that your kids are doing that is like maybe surprised you or that's funny? Like what's a funny mom moment maybe you've had recently? Oh boy. Let's see. Um, potty training. That's always a fun one, which has resulted in some of the funniest moments um, in motherhood. We're getting kind of ready to explore potty training with my little guy, which is proving to be very different than with my little girl. Um, but one of my favorite hilarious moments was we were in the midst of like, you know, getting the big poo poo on the potty. That's like a big, just a big <laughs> hurdle. Um, it's scary and it's weird. Um, so I was trying every, every possible trick I had. And my daughter said she would do it for some ice cream and we had zero ice cream. Um, so we were getting ready to head off to target. And as a mama, you have to use the bathroom before. And I had this opportunity that I was like, Hey, Hartley, look, mommy's going poo poo on the potty. Let's go. Like, you know, whatever you do, what you have to do showing her that it was not scary. So we do the thing, we go to target. And as we're checking out, she looks at this, you know, 22 year olds, high school boy and goes, guess what? And he goes, what? My mommy just pooped on the potty before we came here. So now she gets one of these ice cream cones. And I was (laughs) so mortified so mortified but I'm like hey you know what what she took away from that is that pooping wasn't that scary and we're going to celebrate the big thing and we got home and we got a poop in the potty and it was just wonderful but it's those things that you're like oh where's where is your filter um you just turn beet red but you know um so that was probably one of the top moments in motherhood that was completely embarrassing but utterly hilarious at the same time oh my goodness I can I can just picture that right now like oh that must have been so embarrassing but yeah I mean you made your point though right like that is that's a really good learning moment and now you're gonna look like always look back on that and just like laugh right (laughs) yes yes and it's just like my daughter's personality too, you know, like extroverted and outgoing and she just shows up to do the thing, whatever the thing might be. So it was, um, yeah, a moment to remember that's for sure. Wow. Oh man. Well, tell me, did you always want to be a mom? Like, was that always something you dreamed about as a kid growing up or what was that kind of, when did you know that you wanted to be a mother? As early as I can remember, I always just for some reason knew in my heart that I wanted to be a mom. I was that sixth grader who literally went to babysitters club after school and did all of the CPR first training babysitting course that they had. Um, And right out of the the shoot, I started babysitting for 
Um, actually, the pastor of our church had adopted a sweet little girl who was 18 months old from China, and we just became best friends, and I babysat her every week um, and just mm-hmm. knew in my heart that children was something that I wanted to have. Um, and so, yeah, I would say ever since I was little, I just really enjoyed children and knew in my heart I wanted to be a mom. Wow. That's really cool. I love that you, you like did all the courses and trainings. We have a friend (laughs) that, uh, uh, one of our family friends, they have a daughter and she, she's the same and she has been so fun because she comes and she babysits our daughter. And it's just, you can tell like there's some right personalities, like she is just so good at it. And so I can, I can just visualize little Stephanie, (laughs) Getting yeah. training and taking care. That's really cool. Well, what was your journey then like into like motherhood? Was it a breeze? Was it, you know, like something that came easy for you and your husband? Or it sounds like obviously it was a desire in there. Um, but yeah. take us back to kind of some of those early days. Yeah. So those early days, both my husband and I knew that children were something that we wanted. Absolutely. Um, it was very planned. We, we got married, we'd been together for several years and we knew that we had no interest in waiting. So, but we did want to go on our delayed honeymoon. So we got through our honeymoon, went skydiving, did all the fun things, came back. I had my annual exam at the doctor's office and let them know like, Hey, this is what, um, we're doing. I'm hoping it'll happen really quickly. I had zero expectations of it happening really quickly, but we were very fortunate. And the first month that we tried, Hartley was conceived. Um, and so that was a pleasant joy. We were very excited. Um, my journey into to motherhood after that changed drastically. Um, and there were, you know, conceiving for a second time uh, was different. But um, as it started out, the journey was pleasantly easy. So, wow. Tell me about that first pregnancy then, that first journey. Um, <laughs> It was, it was difficult. Yeah. That was, you know, I just had all these like Hollywood ideas about what pregnancy was going to be like. I was super motivated the second I found out to, you know, eat all the healthy, wonderful things and do all the exercise. And I would say I was really surprised by all the health issues um, for me that came from being pregnant. I had a pretty, I would say dramatic pregnancy with Hartley. Um, And so that was not something that I was prepared for. I got appendicitis when I was 16 weeks along, um, and it was a very bad episode of it. I had to have surgery. And then after that, just had some more health stuff that just continued to pop up. And so I was really not prepared for that part. Wow. It sounds like it definitely took a toll on your body. Like how, how did you do like mentally, emotionally through that process as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I would say during my first pregnancy, it was emotionally fairly easy. I was really anxious and concerned when appendicitis started. I remember I had just flown back home to Anchorage from visiting my family in Southeast and woke up in the middle of the night around 3 a.m. just with severe abdominal pain. And my husband and I thought that we were losing the baby. I mean, we heard about babies being lost during pregnancy and had no idea what that Mm. meant or what that looked like. But all I knew is I was in severe pain and that's what crossed our mind. So my husband called uh, the nurse triage line and they assured me nothing was wrong and to just go back to bed. Um, And so I did. 
And I called into work the next day. And by 3 p.m., I just, I hadn't eaten anything and I was just deteriorating. Um, my husband was on a gas leak and I couldn't get a hold of him. So I called my mother in law and had her bring me to the ER. And that, so that, that took like an emotional toll on me there because I really thought something was wrong. Um, yeah. But other than that, that first pregnancy was full of a lot of joy and excitement with some anxiety intertwined, you know, with the medical stuff that I had going on. So yeah, I forget what the rest of your question was. No, that's great. No, just asking like how, like through the process, I mean, I can imagine, right. Going through an appendicitis and having those things up like that, the, the toll that would take emotionally or mentally, or just how scary that could be, but that you can actually go through something like that and still have like a healthy pregnancy or, like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing at the same time, what modern medicine has right. like allows for, right. Cause somewhere else yeah. that could have been a different story. Right. Absolutely. Wow. And, and how was like Hartley's, like, how was like delivery? What did it like, did you have a birth plan? Did that go according to plan or was it different? Yeah. So for my personality style, I decided that I was not going to create a birth plan. Actually, um, I can sometimes be anxious in nature. And so I just felt like I knew that birth was going to be one of the hardest and most empowering things that I probably will ever do in my life. And I just felt like for me that creating a birth plan, if it didn't go right, that I would beat myself up over that. Mm-hmm. So I made a conscious decision to not make a birth plan, but I did have a birth goal of delivering naturally if possible. Um, so that's what I walked into the the labor and delivery room with. And that was, that was my plan. It went amazing. I, there's nothing about Hartley's delivery that I would change. I got very, very lucky to have uh, my mom with me. She flew up and I forced her to be in the room with me. Um, so she was there. My husband, Caleb was there and it just, it went as smooth as, as smooth as I could have ever hoped for it to be. I had a great labor and delivery team. Um, my husband was a great coach. He stepped up and was like Superman. Um, so it went very smoothly. I got to have natural um, childbirth and yeah, it was, I mean, it was perfect to me. It was perfect. That's amazing. Well, but it sounds like you gave yourself permission to be you like you, yeah. you know, by not having a birth plan. I think that's like really powerful of like, it can be really beneficial for some women, but for others, like it actually might be a hindrance. Right. And like you, you knew that it might cause like mom guilt or shame or whatever, if it went differently. And I think you were able to create that space for you to just, I think too, you said you had like, you wanted natural if possible. And like, I, I, I think that's really, um, it gives space that something else could happen. Things might go unexpected, but like, yeah, yeah, that there was space and that that really was empowering. It sounds like through your, through your process and how smooth it was and how like beautiful and of of an experience it was. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely something that I've learned about myself, you know, over the years and journey of just life was that um, I just really didn't want to give myself an opportunity to beat myself up over something, you know, if it didn't go the right way, because, you know, I knew that motherhood was going to be hard enough, right? Moms, as a mom, we, we beat ourselves up all the time. And so Mm. I was like, if I can start off my journey into motherhood, maybe right without doing that, maybe I'll have a leg up (laughs) for the rest of it. And 
So for me, it just, it really worked to kind of go in there with a goal. And, and I went from there, I brought all my tools with me to use. Um, You know, I had some of my favorite essential oils for that anxiety that kicked in. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was a time where I was like yelling at my mom, I was like, where's my balance? And she's like (laughs) getting it and rubbing it under my nose for me. And um, because there was a time when labor like was really starting and it was like getting ready to push. I like started hyperventilating without even knowing it. And I looked at my OB and I was like, something is wrong. And she's like, no, you're doing great. I'm like, no, something is wrong. And she's like, what, what, tell me, tell me what's going on. I was like, I can't feel my legs or my arms. They're tingling. And she goes, honey, I think you're hyperventilating. Just breathe with me. And she made eye contact with me and just Mm. led me through some deep breaths. And I looked at my mom and I was like, where's my balance? And she grabbed my roller and like put it under my nose. And then all of a sudden my feeling came back. So, you know, I made sure that even though I didn't necessarily have a plan. I had all my tools for me, you know, my, my birth plan um, playlist or my birth, my birthing playlist um, was loaded on my phone. If I had time to listen to music, I had my, my oils with me, my comfortable clothes, um, you know, everything to support me in my overall goals. Um, And a lot of it, I didn't even have time, you know, to use a bunch of it, but so yeah, I went in there pretty open, open open-minded, but equipped for whatever may come my way. Wow. That's amazing. And didn't she come pretty quickly? Like you had a pretty fast. She, yes, she came very quickly. My two dear friends, um, we were all about a trimester apart from each other. So I watched my two best friends go through some really long labors. Um, I mean, 24 and 36 hours and we're in the hospital for a long time. So I was like bound and determined that I wasn't going to the hospital until that baby was like coming out. And so I woke up at three o'clock in the morning um, to go to the bathroom and I, I did my thing and I laid back down at this point, I was sleeping on the couch cause that's where it was the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And as I'm trying to fall back to sleep, I realized, man, these, these Braxton Hicks is what I thought they were. They're not going away. And then as I'm laying there, I'm like, these are a little bit more intense than I remember. And I was like, maybe I should do this timer thing that I've heard people do. And I was having contractions about every five to six minutes. And I was like, I think that's, like a sign that maybe this is coming. And so I just kind of laid there awake because I couldn't fall asleep now because I was excited about the possibility. And at 5 a.m., I decided maybe I should wake my mom and my husband up. So I go in there and I'm like, hey, I don't know if it's anything, but my contractions are like kind of anywhere from two to four minutes apart. And my mom like flew off the air mattress. My poor mother was sleeping on the oh. air mattress at this time. And she's like, get Caleb, it's time to go. I'm like, no, it's not. So I go get Caleb. He's like, do I have time to hop in the chair? I'm like, yeah, take your time. My mom's like standing by the door with my bag. She's like, we need to go. I'm like, no, no, not doing it. Um, And I go to the bathroom one more time. And at that point, you know, there were signs that it probably was time to go. So I walk out of the bathroom like, yeah, I think it's time to go. They had the car already running, got me in the car. We got to the hospital at 6 a.m. And they checked me in got me over to labor and delivery and she was born at 7 30 a.m. So Ooh. it was really quick. Yep. Once it, yeah, it was, it was just incredible. Um, I remember once we got to the labor and delivery room, I like fell to my knees for, with my first like real deal. And I was bent over the bed, like with my knees on the ground. Cause the floor was cold and it felt good. And I looked up at the nurse and I was like, this baby is coming. Like I, I need to push right now. And she's like, honey, no, it's not time yet. Your water hasn't broken. Like, don't, you've got plenty of time. 
And I looked at her, I'm like, no, I know I haven't done this before, but you need to listen to me. I can feel her head. Like it is coming. And she's like, let's just get you in the bed and we'll have the OB come and look. So they called the OB. She comes, gowns up, gets to the foot of the bed and my water broke all over her. She's (laughs) like, it's time to have a baby. And I think, I mean, I got very lucky. I think it was like four pushes total and boom, there she was. So it was, it was very quick. Um, So I was, I was very relieved because I had, I had this expectation that it was going to be very, very long, you know, for whatever reason, whether that's Hollywood or my friend's experience, you know, I just had it in my mind that this was going to be like at least 24 hours long. But so I got very, I feel very blessed and very lucky to have had the, the birth experience that I did. Yeah. Wow. That's like so fast and furious. And I mean, I thought my birth, my daughter was fast, but that's like, wow, that's one for the books. I, and I think too, what's like cool about what you're describing too, is something I tell other moms is like, listen to your body. Like it's going to tell you like, and trust trust it. it. Yeah. Trust it. Like it's going to tell you if you just need to do your thing and like, you know, have an unmedicated birth, but it's going to tell you if it needs additional support, if it needs, you know, help. And absolutely. I mean, you telling the nurse saying like, no, like the baby is coming. I feel baby. Like, you know, you were able to just trust your body and then communicate that. I think that's really powerful. Yes, absolutely. And I, I felt lucky in that experience that, you know, and I've had several other experiences that were the opposite where my medical team did not honor what I was feeling and what I knew in my heart, right? We have been blessed with a gut instinct, those gut feelings for a reason. They inform us. They, they tell us information about our body and our situations and what is going on. Um, so I feel very blessed that in this experience, my medical team honored that even you know, I'm a first time mom with no medical training. That nurse probably thought I was crazy, right? Oh, honey, you just (laughs) got in here like five minutes ago. This baby's not coming yet. Um, But she did after I, you know, said a second time, like, no, really something's going on. You know, she stopped and listened to me and honored that, Mm. um, which, you know, validates me to then honor my body, right? And what, what I know to be true and to create space for that, right? Even though I felt totally unequipped, I had no idea what I was doing, but I just knew like it was time. Yes. Wow. Yes. I I love that. And I think too, you know, hopefully for other like medical professionals, like listening to, to this, I think what you just said, she created space for you to trust your body as well. Like, right. When she like stopped to listen. And I I think that is powerful because all too often, I mean, I've, I've had experiences where I haven't felt advocated for or listened to with a health issue and, you know, my provider team, but, uh, there's also so many wonderful providers out there who then they're like, no, they create the space. And it's this dance almost then of where then it is it strengthens and supports you. And so, um, yeah, it's just really cool to hear in your story, that experience. Yeah. And I think it's like, uh, in, like brings hope to an encouragement for other mamas right. who are like first time moms never experienced it. And so, um, definitely listen to your body, trust your body and like then communicate that. Right. Cause other people can't read our minds, right. Our providers, our team, they can't read our minds always. And so forever. <laughs> so the yes, more, we and that can, is a hard thing. So hard to find your voice. And I feel like the more we can be confident and speak up. Right. And yeah, 
I just, and advocate for ourselves. It's, it's really powerful. So, um, I just think I'm inspired by, by just your journey with that and, uh, honoring, honoring yourself too, and honoring how you're wired as well. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So you had this like kind of tough pregnancy, different medical conditions coming up. And then you had this like dreamy, beautiful birth experience. What were those early days of motherhood like? Ridden with anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. So I went from this like super empowering, super beautiful, perfect in my book birth. Right. And then, and then I had a great first day. Right. I mean, she was born at 7 30 AM and I like rode that high for 24 hours. People came and visited, um, you know, I got zero sleep and then we were, we were home the next morning. Um, and then that's when the anxiety kicked in. Um, it kicked in really like reflecting and looking back. Um, you know, we got baby all packed up and we were ready to go. And Caleb went and got the vehicle and pulled it around. So I didn't have to walk with this big old baby and all of our stuff. Um, And that's when the anxiety really started kicking in. She started screaming in the car seat. She was not having it. And I just, that's like looking back, that's when the racing thoughts just totally started to take Mm. over. Um, I was so anxious the entire car ride home that we were going to get into a car accident. I was convinced something was going to happen and we weren't going to make it home. Um, I, I stopped, we had to stop so I could get in the back of the car and like, sit next to her on the way home. Um, and so anxiety for me started like pretty quickly. Um, one of the the things that sticks out the most is we showed up to her two day old appointment and my pediatrician took one look at her and one look at me and said, okay, how are you doing? And it was like instant tears. She could tell Mm. I hadn't slept for two days. Um, I was very anxious about my baby dying. Like I have no reason to be anxious, right? Um, I just was convinced that she was going to be one of those babies that you read about uh, passing away from SIDS in the middle of the night. And I couldn't get these like thoughts and concerns out of my head. Um, And so for the first, I would say 15 or 20 minutes actually of our pediatrician appointment that was probably only supposed to be 20 minutes long. um, She just sat and talked with me about SIDS and anxiety and safe sleep. And um, so that was really validating for me. Um, But it was definitely the start of a anxious, um, at least six months, I would say definitely the first six months were pretty tough. Um, She started to experience colic, we had nursing issues. Um, Yeah, what would you like to know, I would say it was pretty, it was a pretty anxious early start. into my journey of motherhood. Wow. And did you feel supported in that? Or like, how did you like move through that? Was it just like purely surviving, doing whatever you could to just make it through? Or did you have a moment when, you know, people came alongside you in that? Or did you reach out for help? Um, Well, I'm pretty sad to say I didn't. I did not reach out for help outside of um, my husband. I kept it pretty quiet. I didn't really, you know, looking back and I'm a social worker, right? So I should have known about postpartum anxiety. I feel like Um, nobody ever asked me about it. I remember going to my six week um, checkup after birth and 
filling out the Beck depression scale and that scored fine because I didn't really have the baby blues. But I feel like if somebody would have asked me about my anxiety, that would have just, I mean, there was not a single question. So I felt like postpartum anxiety wasn't even supposed to be a real thing. So surely it was just my anxiety, my, my battle. Um, you know, my husband was a rock. He, he would come home every day from work and take this colicking crying baby from me. I remember one day I was, it was just a tough day and I locked myself in the bathroom and sat on the floor and cried for 45 minutes. I turned the shower on thinking, oh, my husband won't hear me. And you know, he knew, he knew. And he just came and quietly knocked on the door and said, are you okay? And what can I bring you? Um, And so, uh, yeah, it was a pretty lonely six months. Um, You know, I really struggled with my milk supply and there was a ton of just there was mom shaming that, you know, I endured from family and friends who, you know, looking back, never do I think it was malicious in nature, but I just hadn't found my voice in motherhood to say, you know, can you please stop? That's actually not helpful. Um, or to say, Hey, I'm really struggling and I need some help. I didn't know how to do that. Um, so it was a pretty lonely anxiety ridden for six months. Wow. That's a, I think that's something we like, we need to do better, right? Like, cause I think postpartum anxiety and depression, right. Is like, it's so much more common, especially, you know, post pandemic. And, you know, it's, I think what you said, had there been questions about anxiety, right. That would have been like really helpful for you to identify with those, but that it was really kind of narrowed more onto those baby blues, but that you know, that's just as common, right. That people are walking through postpartum anxiety as depression. Yeah. Just reflecting on that, you know, I feel like there was a lot of missed opportunities for professionals to have picked up on something or just simply stopped and asked the question that I wish that they would have, because I didn't know how to like bring that up or confront it or ask for help. So you know, I just wish that somebody who was trained in all of that stuff would have seen the struggle and asked, asked the questions. Yeah. And, and how isolating too, right. And lonely. Yeah, and I think there's probably absolutely. other moms listening right now who either have walked a similar road or, you know, might experience it in the, you know, the future if they're, you know, not pregnant right now or not pregnant yet. And, just to know that you're not alone, right? For anyone listening to this who might be having those anxious thoughts or feelings and that there is support and there is help, but you might have to ask for it, unfortunately, but that you're not right. alone. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is okay to not be okay, right? Like that's, that's if there's one takeaway that a mama hears is that it's okay to not be okay mm-hmm. and to be brave, ask, ask for help because it's not a sign of weakness, right? Break down all those stigmas. It's, it's actually quite courageous to ask for help. Yes. Oh, yes. And I feel like you, I, yeah, I do. I mean, just knowing you, you are courageous and you are brave and um, in so many ways. And so but it takes just being honest, right. And open and vulnerable. Um, but that usually leads to breakthrough. I feel is when we can step out just one second, right. Of courage and vulnerability, yes. right. Can lead to our healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So, so those, okay. So those first six months were kind of 
well, really like dark, isolating, filled with a lot of anxiety. What was it like? I mean, after that, did you just kind of gradually, like, did it just gradually go away or um, what kind of led next? Cause I know you have another sweet little one running around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say it did kind of gradually start to lessen as I would say my confidence as a mother started to grow. Um, I definitely felt inequipped, especially with a colicky baby, right? Who's not sleeping. And there's so much pressure to breastfeed, which I wanted to do, right? That was, that was my plan, right? So going back Mm -hmm. to the birth plan versus goal, my plan was I was going to nurse this baby till she was two. Like that's what people do. If you're a really great mom, right? That that's what was thrown in my face. And that's what I had my mind on. I had no idea that people even had difficulty nursing. Um, And so when my milk supply was not, not great, when my daughter was going in for checkups and she, luckily she never lost weight, but she was not gaining weight. She was a pretty tiny one for a long time. Uh, My, my pediatrician said, Hey, I want you to just kind of take a day off from nursing and just, just pump for a little bit and let's see what's going on. And I pumped like three ounces the entire day and my child is five months old. And I'm like, oh, there's something wrong. Cause I didn't really pump. I, I was blessed to bring my daughter to work with me for that first year of her life. Um, and so it was evident that there was definitely some supply issues. And unfortunately there was no support in like, let's explore this. How can we, you know, maybe increase the supply? It was just, oh, here's a bunch of um, formula samples. Just pick one and, and feed it to her. Um, there was no support. And like, do you want to formula feed? I didn't even know that donated breast milk was a thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I was not given any options. I was just giving, given the one solution. Right. Um, and then there was a lot of shame around that, um, that I experienced, you know, the shame of not being able to provide for my daughter, um, a lot of mom guilt that, you know, maybe my daughter has been colicky for five or six months because my God, has she been starving this whole time? Right. So that like mom guilt and that mom shame and that self-doubt just really piled on there at the end. Um, but I had some really great friends who went through similar things and, um, had reached out and told me all the the formula hacks and, you know, all the things, cause she was not, Hartley was not about the formula game. Uh, when I started. So she, my, my dear friend, Megan, you know, was like, Hey, add a little tiny bit of apple juice, or if you have some breast milk, kind of mix it half and half, you know, so I I had friends who were so supportive in that transition um, of having to give up on nursing um, and, you know, do what was best for Harley. She needed, she needed to be fed. Um, And so as I kind of let go of some of that guilt and the shame Um, and just started to grow in confidence. And my daughter started gaining weight and started sleeping through the night and the colic went away at about six. Yeah, I think it was about six to six and a half months old. Like I finally started to feel like I could breathe again. Mm -hmm. I let go of a lot of these unrealistic expectations that I had put on myself and was holding myself to. And as I was able to just kind of shed some of that weight, um, things just started to look brighter. And as I had people kind of start to learn about the struggles that I was having and, and reached out to some friends, um, that, that community grew, right. It didn't feel like this terrible, dark secret anymore. I realized, Hey, other moms are struggling too. It's not just me. So as I built that mom community 
and built my confidence and let go of some of those unhealthy expectations and thoughts, um, that's when I noticed, you know, motherhood started started to become really fun. I started to find my my feet again and um it it just wasn't as overwhelming anymore. Hmm. Yes. I just I think that's it's interesting as I've been having these like incredible conversations with mamas. Uh, I feel like there's been this theme of as expectations have been let go, like there's been so much yeah. more joy, like presence, joy. Right. And yes. I just, I mean, I'm hearing that again in, in your story and your experience. And I just think that yes. is, there is so much pressure on us to be all things, do all things. But so often we hold ourselves to some standard that is just right. not attainable. And it right. sucks the joy out of life, right? Or the air out of the room. And and so I think that's really beautiful to hear that you were able to, like, you know, even though it was a journey and like slowly letting go of those expectations as you did, you found so much more joy in motherhood. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in that too, you know, just an area of growth in the, um, I don't even know what would you call it. Not, you know, not just the medical field, but just like in supporting mothers, like let's present moms with all of the options, right? Like mm. my pediatrician solution was, well, you have to formula feed her. And that's what I did because she's in a place of authority over me. She's educated. She's got the MD, you know, I didn't know that there were other options. And so I just see this beautiful area of growth for supporting moms and being that saying like, okay, baby needs some more food, right? And right now we're struggling in that area. So here's all of the options, which of these options feels the most supportive and safe for you and your family. Um, so I wish that there had been that, right? Um, yeah. how, how can we present mothers with all of the information and empower them to make the decision rather than just handing them a solution and sending them on their way? Yeah. And uh, there's like, also, cause we're all so different, right? Like our lifestyles look different, our, right. our strengths, like how we're wired, how we parent and like, there's no one right way to parent. And so, right. um, or to have life look like, so I, I, I fully agree that there, that is a wonderful way. I think we could be moving in a direction to see mothers more like, inc- like an increased support for mothers nationwide Absolutely. for sure. I love that. I can get behind that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. Me too. Sign me up. Yes. Wow. Well, like, tell me, I know, like, I mean, because I mean, we're dear friends and I know that your journey like gets really tough. Like, can we talk about some of that as you, like, as you moved into wanting to expand your family, I, I know you entered some really dark days and, uh, yeah, I, uh, to mind sharing some of those experiences? Yes, absolutely. Yet we knew that we always wanted more than one child um, and that we wanted them fairly close together. Um, So we chose to not go back on any kind of birth control after Hartley was born. um, And we're going to play it safe until she was about a year old is what we had, you know, the expectation we had set in our, in our, brains um, is that when Hartley turned a year old, we would start trying for a second babe. Um, And in between Hartley and my son now, uh, Sigmund, we we lost two babies. And that was very, very difficult. Um, 
you know, it was just, it was not in our plan, right? We, we didn't know that that really happened. We had heard, you know, that, I mean, you knew about the word miscarriage. We, at the time, didn't think that we knew anybody who had also experienced that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that led to about, well, let's see, I think a year and a half long journey of, of loss and then difficulty conceiving. And yeah, it was a very lonely, dark time in our, in our marriage, in our parenthood, um, you know, our journey of being parents, it was, it was a struggle. Mm, Wow. I'm just so sorry for that loss. I mean, there's something so painful, um, about losing a kid anytime uh, in life. And so I can only imagine that was like really, really a dark time for you both walking through that. Was there, did you guys have support? Did you have, um, anyone come alongside of you or was it just, I mean, you said you didn't really know if you had met anyone else who had experienced uh, pregnancy loss. Um, what was that kind of like for you? Yeah, it was, it was very lonely. Um, you know, I think that both my husband and I have kind of this stoic Alaskan personality as is, which, you know, is a strength, but it was also actually like a weakness in this experience for us. Um, you know, the first loss was, was very early. Um, and in fact, talking with medical providers, we, we found out about the pregnancy actually after we had lost the baby, um, we were not expecting to become parents again so early, but we had a little surprise when Hartley was about seven months old. Um, and I had this, um, very odd physical experience. Um, I was actually boating in Southeast Alaska and all of a sudden became very ill. And I had been joking with my mom prior to this that, oh, I wonder if I'm pregnant Um, because things were just a little bit weird and a little bit Mm. off. And I was technically a little bit late. And I was like, no, like looking back, I was like, no, there's, there's no way. Um, And then just some really odd physical stuff started going on um, while I was on the boat, right in the middle of Southeast. Like, what, what are you going to do? I just thought, you know, it must just be a really, really terrible period. Um, I just, you know, I had only gotten my period a couple times before that. So I was like, oh, this is just what happens when you quit breastfeeding and your period is trying to figure out what to do um, again. So I just wrote that kind of off. Um, But about a week after coming back from Southeast, so it had been, you know, just a couple of weeks after this terrible period, I just felt really off. And I, I take, I took a pregnancy test and lo and behold, it was positive. And I was like, no way, like not ready for this. There's, you know, this wasn't in the plan. Um, And so before I told Caleb, I was like, no, I'm just going to take another pregnancy test because maybe that was not real. And so I took another one and the line was significantly lighter. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. Um, So I waited another day and I took another one and the line was even lighter. And I was like, this this is very odd. Um, and so I called my OB and, you know, after some tests and talking, um, and telling her about this terrible, horrible period that we had had, um, she had told me that I was likely had miscarried while I was in Southeast Alaska. And I learned that your HCG levels can stay, you can get negative, uh, or you can get a positive pr- pregnancy test, you know, for up to a month, sometimes more after you lose a child, um, because of those hormones. So 
it was deemed that I was most likely pregnant while I was out um, in Southeast Alaska and had experienced a miscarriage um, there while we were, while we were out boating. So that was a big, a big hit, a big, um, a big blow. Um, You know, for a long time, I felt like, can I even count that as a child? Like, you know, was, was it really a true pregnancy? Because, you know, we never got to see this child on the screen. We found out about this baby after we had already lost it. You know, so it was, um, we, we, I think we both kind of shrugged, shrugged it off, right? Like, okay, it's pick yourself back up. It's time to move on. You know, it was very sad, but this never is going to happen again. You know, so we, we grieved that loss. Um, nobody knew uh, we hadn't told anybody except for one of my dear friends because she actually had found out that she was pregnant at the exact same time. Um, so we had kind of talked about that, but nobody else knew. Um, so we just kind of kept this, this deep, dark secret that, you know, we weren't really going to talk about again and it wasn't ever going to happen again because, you know, Google says that your chances are very slim of having a second miscarriage. So we decided collectively that, Hey, it's earlier than we planned, but we, we just were pregnant. We just lost this baby. And now it just feels weird to like, wait, like, let's just start trying. Um, and so we decided to go for it and it took us only three months, um, this time, but we got pregnant pretty quickly again. Um, thereafter we were so excited and we shared with everybody. Um, I told Caleb the, the evening of his work Christmas party where, we drove down to Alieska for a night away and, and he like blurted it out to everybody, right? Everybody knew. And um, there, there was no secret this time because this, this kind of thing doesn't happen twice, right? That's the narrative that we had told ourselves after doing lots of Google searching, because, you know, there's just not a lot of information out there for, for moms and their partners who are going through loss. So we resorted to Google for our support. And so we, we had told everybody about this, this new baby. And, um, unfortunately this, this third pregnancy now, um, also resulted in loss. And that is, that is a long story as well, but, um, going back to kind of your question about what, what kind of support did we have? And the answer was really none. Um, you know, our OB was just wonderful and beautiful. Um, she, you know, she cried tears with us when we got the the final information um about our baby passing um you know to be to be in a room um where you already in your gut know what you're about to hear but to hear those words i'm sorry there's no heartbeat for the first time that that is tough um but our ob was wonderful she stayed after work so we could leave the the sonograph um place and head back to the ob's office and she told us kind of what to expect next um, we thought that this this baby would just naturally pass as easy as our first. And so I chose not to take the medication that we were prescribed, although we did pick it up just in case. Um, and we elected not to do a DNC. Um, and so support, you know, there was very little medical information kind of even given to us about what to expect. Um, and there was no like, hey, here's a support group or here's you know, here's some reputable websites, or here's some people that you can follow on social media. There was no, there was, there was just no, nothing. Um, And at the time, you know, none of our friends had ever openly shared that they had lost a baby. So that is where that loneliness and isolation really crept in. 
Um, you know, and then to start making the phone calls to all of our friends and family that we had told that, you know, we're no longer having a baby. Um, that those phone calls though, those phone calls resulted in some support because, you know, that's that presented an opportunity for some of our friends to say, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. We've also been down that road if you ever need to talk. Um, so making those terribly difficult phone calls. Um, or text messages to friends, um, kind of retracting our pregnancy announcement, if you will, um, did result in some really beautiful conversations. Um, it, you know, it kind of, it expanded our support network a little bit, um, but it was still a very awkward thing to talk about. Um, so I would say even that community support just was pretty non-existent for for a long time um, until one one friend told me about a local support group for for moms um, that had lost babies. It was um, the Forget Me Not group in Anchorage, Alaska. I I picked myself up and I forced myself to go one day. My friend who had told me about it said she promised she would be there. Um, you know, she held my hand and in we went. Um, mm-hmm. And so through that, finally, I got to. Um, I got to gain some community and some support through that. But for the most part, um, you know, there just was not a lot of really genuine and authentic support um, out there and available. So it was a pretty supportless, lonely journey for, for a very long time. And even when we did get consistent support, it was like, two people, um, you know, that I felt then like I was burdening with all of my, my fears and my anxiety. So there would be times where I wouldn't even allow myself to reach out to those few people. Cause I was convinced that surely they're sick of hearing, you know, of my anxiety and my, my fear and my grief. And, um, it's just a very isolating and lonely experience. Mm. Wow. I just have to say, like, I'm so sorry for your two losses and like those, those beautiful babes like live on. And, um, and I'm also sorry that for not the support, you know, the, that there was an additional support. I really think this is a, an area where we also can do better, um, to support one another. And I mean, it's, I mean, you shared that as you, you began to tell people, you realized other people had walked through a similar path as you guys, but you didn't know you had no idea. And, I mean, that was something when we had, when we lost our son a year ago, we, the same thing, like as we began to share, I realized how many other people had silently suffered and gone through this in isolation. And, um, and I was shocked, absolutely shocked that, um, it wasn't more widely talked about that there wasn't more support. And, um, actually you were like some of the most encouraging of friends and you sent me this beautiful gift, like beautiful little necklace in remembrance of our babe. And I just, I was so touching to me, something to like remember him by and, and have as a tangible thing. And I just, that little touch actually wasn't little. It was so big. And I was just really grateful for your support in that moment and seeing me in that moment. And so I guess my question to you is what, what support do you wish you had had and have you, I mean, obviously you showed up for me in very powerful ways to walk alongside of us, but what is something that you think we can do to support moms who are walking through this? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think it starts off with just showing up genuinely and consistently, right? And that is something that Kelly, you did for me, and you probably didn't even know it, right? I I don't remember how I came about telling you about our losses, uh, but at the time, I know that you hadn't experienced the loss yet, but you were one of the most monumental people mm-hmm. in my life, um, in my in my journey of healing. And you know, I I vividly remember the day that you showed up so genuinely and consistently. We had just had a DNC. Our second loss um, went south really quickly and I got very sick and and unfortunately did have to have a procedure done. Um, and you texted me like the next day in the middle middle of the night, right? It was like 9 or 10 p.m. I think because um, I know I was having a really nights were the hardest for me. And um, I was in my daughter's room rocking her, sobbing with her and laid her back mm-hmm. down. And as I walked out of her room, I looked at my phone and I had a text message from you and it said something along the lines of, I'm just thinking about you. How are you feeling after your procedure? You know, just checking in. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do for moms who are experiencing loss is to just show up and relay that genuine, consistent, loving support. Um, You don't have to have all the words. You don't have to have all the answers. Just saying, I am so sorry for your loss can bring so much healing from that pain. You know, just having somebody acknowledge that my baby existed, right? Um, mm-hmm. That they were a child that I loved dearly. You know, as a mom, that love for your child starts the second you see that positive, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had already dreamt about, I had written out lists of all the things I'm going to need for a baby number two, right? To make this easier, you know, what am I going to do differently with this transition? Like I had already dreamt about how life was going to be with this child. Um, And then you never get to meet them. Um, So just having people, having friends show up and acknowledge my baby's existence. um, You know, we chose to name our children. um, And so speaking their names out loud, if you're, if you're supporting a friend who's going through loss and they share their baby's name with you, call that child by name, right? As you remember them, um, you know, maybe it's their, your friend's due date and you, you know, shoot them a text and say, Hey, I'm just thinking about thinking about you today. I know it's Johnny's due date. You know, how are, how are you feeling? So just acknowledging that baby's existence, um, showing up authentically, showing up consistently, just creating a safe space for them to journey through loss. Right. Um, I think that, you know, just showing up and being willing to go through the dark, right? To Mm -hmm. sit there with your friends, um, allowing them to be wherever they're at, right? Maybe it's you show up with coffee and you sit on the bathroom floor and you cry with them, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have to have those answers, but just allowing them to go through the grieving process at their pace, at, you know, in the ways that they need um, and creating that safe place to to do that, to explore what does grief look like? Um, Because grief is very, very different, you know, based on the type of loss. Um, And I will, you know, I've experienced many losses in my life, but I would say that the the complexity of experiencing pregnancy loss is just, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's the most complex type of loss that I've ever had to go through. Um, And so just allowing your friend to stay in that grief for however long and in whatever kind of way they need to is really important. Mm. 
Yeah. I think so many people maybe don't show up or don't support maybe a friend if they know they're going through this because they just don't know how, or they don't, they're, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. But I, I like what you said that there's no, there's no perfect words to say. There's no perfect right. actions, but just showing up and being present in the midst of the storm yeah. is all that's needed. Exactly. Right. I had a friend show up um, while I wasn't even home and left a bouquet of flowers on my front door. Um, oh. You know, so just basic, basic sentiments, right? Text messages that say, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Um, dropping by with a cup of coffee or a bouquet of flowers, right? Checking in and saying, hey, can I bring you hot dinner tonight, right? Those basic sentiments convey care, concern, right? Um, it just shows you the depth of your friendship. It, Even though maybe you haven't experienced loss yourself, um, it's just adding someone in that mama's corner, right? Knowing that, sure, maybe my friend hasn't been through loss, but I'm not doing this by myself. I'm not alone. Um, I've got someone here cheering me on and helping me um, who's genuinely concerned about my well-being. So just meeting, meeting basic needs, right? Um, reminding your friends that you're there for them, um, being willing to just listen, right? Mm -hmm. To create that space for that mama to share without needing to have the answers or have some profound encouragement. Um, those are some really simple ways that you can just be there. Hmm. Yeah. Simple, but powerful, right? Simple. And Absolutely. Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, thank you for just sharing and for, for your vulnerability for offering that. I think the more we can talk about this, um, the less work other women and even ourselves, like we'll have to walk alone through it. So right. uh, thank you for giving permission for someone else to, to tell someone to not have to wait in secret and like, let it eat you alive. Um, right. And so your story, your sharing um, is giving other women who are listening, who might be walking through something really similar, that permission. So thank you so much for your courage to share. You're welcome. Wow. So uh, three babies, two heaven side, and then you get pregnant with SIG. And yes. I can imagine like that might've been maybe a more intense pregnancy emotionally. Was it after your losses or what was that journey? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you could probably do a podcast just on the journey in and of itself of leading to SIG's pregnancy. Um, you know, mm. we, we tried for nine months after, um, after our DNC and after we were kind of cleared to start trying again, and so it was a long nine grueling months of negative pregnancy test after negative pregnancy test. And that's a whole story and journey in and of itself. But then SIG shows up. Um, I, I remember being convinced that this month was going to be another negative pregnancy test, right? Um, I was not the mom who could wait. I was so desperately, you know, wanting to, to be pregnant to add to our family. It was my heart's desire that I was definitely that mama who would pee on five sticks, right. Until, <laughs> until like either the period showed up or it was like, okay, this one is real. Um, you got that positive. Um, and so I'd already had it in my head that, you know, it was, it was a defense mechanism, right. If I expected mm. the pregnancy test to, to read negative, then it, that blow hurt a little less. Um, and my mom was headed to the airport and, 
Um, I was like, I'm just going to pee on this test really quick. And I, I set it down thinking, oh, whatever, it's just going to be negative. Anyways, it's time to go to the airport. And I come back and there's like the faintest line ever. And I'm like, no way. So my mom was there when she, when I found out, um, yeah. and, but you know, I remember getting pregnant with Hartley and even with, um, you know, our third baby, that, that first baby after our first loss, it was like excitement, instant joy, instant excitement. And this one, it was instant doubt, um, instant fear, mm. instant anxiety. Um, you know, the, the expectation that this baby's probably not going to make it either set in. Um, so it was a long, grueling, anxious, um, journey with, with Sigmund, who is obviously here and healthy and it, and this ended up, you know, um, being a healthy pregnancy that also had many struggles along the way. Um, but, but it was very different, um, getting that positive after so many months of trying and after two losses. Wow. No, I can just, I mean, yeah, imagine just how tough that was. And, and I think that's really common too, of, uh, to have that doubt, right? I don't think that's yeah. not common. How did, were you able in that second, um, you know, as you were carrying SIG, were you able to get more support that time around after having dealt with like the postpartum anxiety with Hartley and then the two losses, or were you still in a place of like isolation? I felt, um, that's a tough question. I definitely felt lonely, but I had more support. Um, I, I would say I had increased support in the realm of pregnancy after loss. Um, the leader of the forget me not support group is also a doula and she, she became one of my dearest friends and she herself has walked through pregnancy loss and, and difficulty conceiving after loss. Um, and so she was just rock solid for me. She, my goodness, um, definitely got me through the most grueling anxiety. And then, um, in the, in the journey of loss and when I finally shared, um, I had a couple of friends reach out and they were in similar, um, phases. And so I had one dear friend who got pregnant about three months after I did with Sigmund, um, who sh she also had gone through loss. So I had a mom friend who we both went through pregnancy after loss together. Um, so that felt more supportive, um, but still, still very lonely at the same time, because, you know, no matter how amazing my two dear friends were, it's like two people aren't always enough, right? It takes a village, not just a couple people. Um, mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of, a lot of fear And my medical team, um, my OB team, while they were great medically, they were not super great emotionally or kind of recognizing the fear that came with uh, pregnancy after loss. And so they just they made, they kept sure I was safe medically, but like all the heart stuff, right. Was kind of like, okay, well that, that doesn't really have space here in the, in the exam room. So, um, so it was still, still pretty lonely feeling. Mm. Wow. I just think it's so, uh, it's a lot like to walk through those things. And I think so much of the time too, in our, our Instagram culture too, there, we yeah. put on pretty faces or we put on a facade or, you know, like we, we try to be strong. And so often behind closed doors, 
there's so much more going on. There's so much more right. uh, just down beneath the surface. And to like, um, I feel like just what's really evident in your story is like, just go a little deeper, just a little bit deeper. And like, right. you would see that they're like, you were struggling in those moments. And, um, right. and I think that's something to show up for other people is if we just right. go a little bit deeper, we might be able to like uncover something where we could come alongside to support um, and create space for additional healing. Absolutely. Cause it sounds like, I mean, I mean, really it, your journey too, of how I like, I know there's so many more things we could probably get into, but right. I, your journey has really actually fueled the trajectory of your career, right? Like in your passion to it support has. other mothers. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I just started my own practice. Um, I'm a clinical social worker. Um, and so I am really heavy in the mental health fields um, and you know, trying to juggle this whole mom life thing with also um, honoring my call in life, my passion in life to support others in the mental health field. Um, it's hard to do that when you're not your own boss. So, you know, I, I've been blessed with the opportunity to kind of start my own practice and really focus on my passions and how, how do I want to show up for people? How do I want to help them um, and our babies? Um, that we've lost. We named them Hannah and Eli. They mm. have just really um, inspired me, right? I've been able to work through a lot of my grief and realize that this is this is what I want to do, right? I had nobody um, at times. I felt like nobody. And at, at times I really did have nobody to help support me through loss. Um, and I don't want any mother to ever go through loss alone, um, to feel that that isolation, to be sitting over the toilet asking herself, am I crazy? Like, am I, am I losing my mind? Right. What is, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? Right. And to just have nobody to ask those questions, um, to have nobody to hear the stories and say, Hey, look, you're not the only mom who's doing X, Y, and Z, right. Everybody is, is there with mm -hmm. you, mama. Um, and so that's really fueled, uh, the direction that I want to take my practice. Um, I'm pursuing my perinatal mental health certification this fall and really hope to dive in and and be a support to moms who are experiencing loss and not only moms but their partners because their partners get forgotten about um, and mm. kind of left out to take care of themselves as they're caring for their their loved one who is also losing and going through you know this this loss um, so really just hoping to create a safe place for mothers their partners to show up and, and not have to do this alone, um, you know, to work through miscarriage, to work through infertility, to work through child loss. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been kind of a beautiful 360 um, that I've done, you know, to be at a place that's so dark and alone, um, you know, wishing that you could do anything to meet that, that sweet little baby, right. To, to hold Hannah and Eli in my arms so now um, their life had purpose, right? Their lives were only five weeks and seven and a half weeks long, but they have had so much purpose in, in that short amount of time that they were alive, right? They're, they've um, yes. inspired hopefully some really beautiful things to come. Um, I hope to do groups and just, you know, really, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, again, I have goals, not plans right now, but 
just really trying to to find ways to be what I needed and didn't have at the time um, and to be that for moms. Mm, that is so beautiful and so powerful. And I love what you were just saying about Hannah and Eli. And I think it was yesterday or the day before you posted uh, something on Facebook or Instagram. And you said you were only carried for a moment, but are loved for a lifetime. And yes, um, I just think that is so true. And, um, and uh, I just also think it's, it's amazing that you're showing up in a place where you wanted more support and you've worked so hard and you've uh, dedicated so much time towards your own healing and health and wholeness. And I think, and I, and I've watched you too, like really uh, keep space sacred for you and your family and your, your, your kiddos. And um, so I think uh, what you have to offer is just really profound and we need more, more mental health specialists like yourself. And, you know, I, I think too, to be able to, to come at it from a place where you're like, no, like I've walked a similar journey and, and to, and having like focused on your own healing and then to extend that, um, and to create that space for others, I think it's just, uh, that in itself creates safety, um, knowing, yeah. you know, Oh, well, she's walked through a similar space and she's come out on the other side, like, maybe I can trust her to walk with me in my own journey. So I'm really excited for what you have to like, what's coming up for you in the future. And you know, what, what is a way, cause I know there's so many women listening who can resonate with your story or who would like to connect with you. Where can they find you? Do you offer just in-person like services? Are you doing telehealth um, consultations at this time? Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing both. Yeah. You know, it's been a long year of COVID, although I feel like it's been way over a year now, right? Um, and so I'm doing both telehealth and in-person. We're finally going back to that in-person connection. Um, but also telehealth isn't going away. And it's also, you know, broken down so many barriers, especially for moms to access mental health, right? Like it's a lot to find a babysitter. It's a lot to sneak away. So telehealth has been huge. So Absolutely. Both telehealth, both in person. Um, I do individual sessions. And like I said, hopefully some group opportunities will be coming. Um, I'm hoping at least by the spring, um, if moms want to get in touch with me, uh, my business um, is Refuge Cove Counseling. And I've got a website, a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Um, so there's multiple ways if, if somebody wanted to reach out and connect. Awesome. So we'll make sure we link all of that up in the show notes too. So for those of you that want to connect in with Stephanie, you can do so. Um, This has just been such a special conversation uh, to have with you. I just think you're such a beautiful woman, person, and um, I just feel honored to have you here and on the show and sharing with us. So thank you so much for being here with us, Stephanie. You're welcome. And thank you, Kelly, for for listening to my story and and sharing that. Mm, You're so welcome. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Nourish Motherhood podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Nourished Motherhood podcast. Have you connected with us on Instagram yet? If not, head over and follow us at nourished.motherhood. 
We share advice and tips for your fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood journey, as well as inspiration for happier, healthier living and snippets of behind-the-scenes life in Alaska. Come, let's be Insta-friends.